Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. My name is Todd McLaughlin, and I will be your host. If you would like to learn more about our upcoming live stream yoga classes, workshops, teacher trainings, and or our online yoga studio, please visit us at nativeyogacenter.com. Thank you. Sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, everyone, to Native Yoga Toddcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm very pleased to introduce my friend and fellow yoga teacher, David Andrew Miliotis. Uh, David has been practicing yoga since 1989. He's been holding down the fort in California, in Orange County, down in Southern California, uh, up in... Um, northern parts of California. He's been practicing Ashtanga yoga for a long time. He's an incredible Sanskrit practitioner, chanter, teacher. Please check him out on his website. It's ashtangayogaorangecounty.com. Ashtangayogaorangecounty.com. He has classes available to learn how to chant in Sanskrit, how to, or to classes about the Yoga Sutras. He offers yoga classes, uh, my source style, virtual right now, of course. And obviously, next time we're in California, you can go visit. Um, without any further hesitation and or ado, I am pleased to introduce David Andrew Miliotis. Hey, David, how you doing? Hey, I'm great, Todd. So good to <laughs> to talk to you again it's been so long i know it has been a really long time i we had the opportunity to host you here in juno and um then it's been a while since we've been able to connect and i'm really excited to have the opportunity to speak with you and share with our listeners uh, about your yoga journey and your path in yoga as a teacher and a practitioner um, and so that the listener can get to know you a little bit, can you tell us where you were born and raised? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I was born in Southern California, coastal Southern California, uh, Los Angeles to be specific. And I grew up in Los Angeles a little bit and some up in Santa Barbara County, uh, both inland Santa Barbara and on the coast. Been a bit of a, a nomad up and down the, the coast. Uh, even down to San Diego. Nice. So right now I'm up in San Luis Obispo County, up north, a couple hours north of Los Angeles, and uh, loving loving it up here. Awesome, man! It's uh, gotta country, be so country and beautiful. Nice. That's gotta be a great place to be right now, in the sense that we're all kind of hunkering down, sheltering in place. I would imagine having a little bit of countryside around would be. It would bring some solace. It, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely bringing solace and it's a nice refuge to go out for walks. And I take this little walk out just a couple blocks from the house and get on the trail and walk out through between a open field on one side and and a winery <clears throat> vineyard on the other side. Uh, there's a little hill up on top overlooking the golf course and. And lake, it's super nice. Awesome. Man. We're on like actually on the backside, the mountain range to my to my west towards the ocean is opposite side of uh, Big Sur. 
Oh, wow. Very beautiful up here. The Central Coast area. Oh, yeah, man. Inland Valley. That is a spectacular area. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and it, and and it is a great it's a great time to to connect with you, and a great time to be up here, you know, with all the the changes that we've all been experiencing lately. I'm I, really happy. I'm to be up here. Grateful. Man, I hear you. I'm actually staying staying with family, so I thought. Uh, if I'm te- teaching all my classes online, then it doesn't matter where I'm at. So I let go of uh, paying rent for my house down in Orange County temporarily while while I'm, the stay home is in effect and yeah. while I'm here at my dad's. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's good. I mean, I think to be able to have a family member to be connected to right now is obviously a, an important thing. Well, my dad is having a blast. He's putting <laughs> me to work. <laughs> around the house he's, he's loving reconnecting and uh yeah and getting stuff done around the house so we did an electrical project in the garage the last few days trying to figure out why some of the outlets don't work and <laughs> my dad's super excited that we figured it out yesterday and he's like can stop saying oh what a good team we made <laughs> so that's great I'm, I'm super happy for him that he, he's so stoked to, to have time with his son with me yeah, man, I hear you. That's really cool. It's it's uh, important that we get some time in for sure. Yeah, yeah um, good for me too. Right, and when I, you know, when I was looking at your website the other day, I took notice uh, that you have on there that you've been um, teaching since 1989, and I kind of I knew that, but when I saw that date, I was like, man, Dave's been doing this for for a while now. That's yeah, awesome. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Time time doesn't stop for anybody. It just keeps rolling. And you know, when I was a kid, I never imagined that I would be one of the one of the yogis that had the twenty, thirty years of experience. And but uh, it, it happens. So here I am. Oh man. Yeah. The, and yeah, when a lot of people, my students. You know, when they find out when I started yoga, they're like, I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, That's pretty- yeah, it's, it's, uh, interesting. It's fun, uh, gaining, growing up and getting older. And, and really the, the best part for me is gaining more experience. I would never, never trade usefulness for, for experience. Man, I hear you. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. I- I, I agree with you. Seeing how the, the yoga practice has changes and evolved just from being consistent and steady, not necessarily from being a genius, but from being dedicated and steady. Yeah. Uh, it's like the oak tree. It just keeps growing. I hear you, man. Good analogy. I like that. Um, well, what, what was your, when was the first time you got introduced to yoga? What was your, your intro? My intro is kind of funny, actually. Because I was teach, I was um, not teaching. Sorry, <laughs> I was cooking at a restaurant in uh, this is in Santa Barbara County, uh, rural rural area, and I was working at a restaurant out of high school, going to college, and some guy started working there at the bar. Actually, he was a bartender of all jobs, right? And he's like every night after work when we're hanging out together. Uh, he would be talking about his yoga class that he was teaching. And like back then, like in 1989, I was 21 years old and 
Like I really, I had no idea what yoga was. I barely ever even heard the word. And he was always like, you got to come check out my yoga class, man. He was, he's from Tennessee. He had this thick, heavy Southern accent. So I was like, you got to check out my yoga class. I was like, every night, same story. Got to check out my yoga class. <laughs> so one day, finally, I'm like, hey, man, I'll come check out your yoga class on the condition that you quit asking me to come check out your <laughs> yoga class. <laughs> so, I, so I went to this yoga class, and like halfway through, I was falling all over the place. It was like, I didn't know what I was doing, and I didn't know what to expect before I went. There was, you know, I hadn't seen videos on YouTube back then. I didn't know what it was, right? So right. I left halfway during the cl- through the class, and uh, I, I I waited outside. It was beautiful. It was up in the mountain up above Santa Barbara, the White Lotus Foundation, where uh. he was living and teaching. Uh. And after class, we hung out, and we all made dinner together, all the students and, and myself, and did a hot tub out there. And I, you know, I went home, I put it out of my mind. I'm like, dude, now I'm done with that. He's not going <laughs> to ask me to go again. But, uh, <laughs> something happened like within a couple of weeks after that class, I'm like, you know, I think yoga would be really good for me and I'm going to go back and I'm going to learn yoga. Mm. And I mean, I, it must've been just something about the breathing. I'm not really sure. You know, I just had this idea like that it was good for me. Uh, and I went back and I started practicing every day since the second time I went, when I went on my own. That's cool. And that was my introduction. Yeah. And then a couple months later after that, um, my, my buddy who was teaching the yoga, he's like, Hey man, you got to come check out. There's a yoga master from India coming to teach here for a month. Uh. And I'm like, huh? Yoga what are you talking about? What is that? Right. Yeah, man, he's from India. He's a yoga master. <laughs> so like, okay, I'll check out a few classes. Yeah, 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 whatever. So, and it was Patavi Joyce. He oh, came wow. He stayed there for a month. And uh, that was October uh, 1989. Oh, wow. I stayed there for a month and taught every every morning. And I only did like actually like a week of classes during the month. Because for me as a kid, I thought it was expensive. It was $25 a class. Right. So, and I was practicing at home anyways every day on my own. So I took a few classes, but I was really like swept away the Ashtanga practice. That was my first introduction wow. to doing that practice. And I was like, wow, man, this is really like a, like a white water rapid ride. It's like so <laughs> exhilarating. <laughs> Just like being swept away through this series of poses. I mean, we were doing flow yoga before with the, you know, from that's what I was originally taught. Yeah. But, uh, not, but not the Ashtanga sequence. We weren't yeah. doing primary series. We were doing all like the first generation of vinyasa yoga. Awesome. Doing like a lot, the same standing poses and stuff, but yeah. not, you know, not all the half lotus right. things on the floor, not Supta Kordamasana and things like that. Yeah, those were all new to me. Which, which pose in, yeah. in the primary series when you got started made you, were any of them or some of them or all of them made you think there's no way I'm going to be able to do this? Or, uh, or, or was your body I don't really... think I ever thought that. I just <laughs> like, you know, it's more like a, from an engineering perspective, which uh-huh. is what I was doing in college. I was yeah. pursuing engineering. Yeah. I just looked at like, you know, felt through my body how to do 
you know, how am I going to solve this problem? Uh, how am I going to approach this? this? Right. Uh, so it was more just like, you know, puzzle solving and the excitement that, that you get when you discover solutions and you're able to do things. And, and, uh, the breathing was always like from the very beginning, like something that really was like a fish in water. Right. Doing the Ujjayi breathing and yeah, with the practice. That's awesome, David. That's yeah. Cool. I remember like getting, getting my hands in Supta not, I don't think in class, but, but on my own, like trying to work out that pose. Yeah. And just feeling like, man, this is the most intense <laughs> stretch <laughs> possible. <laughs> feeling like the, the, the fascia in my low back getting stretched and like, whoa. Oh man. <laughs> pretty exciting. That's awesome. Too. I didn't actually. I didn't grow up doing sports and stuff, so uh-huh. it was really, really good for me to to find the practice because I was kind of physical, but I never cultivated. I never trained. Yeah, and developed my my physical abilities. So finding yoga, the the asana practice, particularly, you know, I think is really, really important for me. Not having that strong physical background. Yeah, I had an interest. I just never like. I never had the right guidance growing up to cultivate me to keep me focused on doing doing one thing i hear which you which is interesting actually because because i saw myself like not having not ever really sticking with one thing yeah and and i felt something really uh deep about yoga just intuitively yeah. without having any uh background to support my sense about yoga i just felt like yoga was the thing that was going to take me through life and and help me reach my my ultimate goals my higher goals which i didn't even know really what the, that meant or what they were at the time but but i made a commitment within the first few months of doing yoga that i was gonna stick with it through my whole life till you know until i reached the goal whatever that goal is that it, the yoga is the thing that's gonna carry me to that goal that's so really I, that's really cool David. That, yeah yeah, so from that first time, that second time I went back to class to today, I've been practicing every day. Oh, man. That's yeah, awesome because with, I... With faith and dedication. I can see what you're saying, too, in terms of, like, if we were <clears throat> thinking of, say, we grow up maybe watching a sporting event on TV or in person where there's a whole culture around that event, and then, then you start playing, and then you have people all around you pushing you to play over a long period of time, mm-hmm. developing that. Whereas, like you said, something like yoga, that's out of our radar when we're young, at least for most of us. And then but that's pretty cool that it, at one moment you're like, I'm, this is what I, this is it. This is what I'm going to focus on. And, and uh, that's pretty cool. I hear you. That's amazing. Ari, is, um, yeah, it really was because I was, you know, I was studying engineering in college, but I was so uninspired. I did math and sciences because they were easy for me, but, but they didn't really, you know, in terms of like what I'm doing with my life, it wasn't, didn't feel like it was my calling. It didn't like yeah. inspire and wake up my soul, you know? Right. And then as soon as I started doing yoga, it was like, oh, I actually ended up failing my classes. <laughs> when I started doing yoga, yeah, I didn't. I didn't continue at college. Oh man, I hear ya. Well, that's good though, because I mean, you've obviously been yeah. able to to make a a career path out of yoga as well, which is not always the easiest thing to do. 
so to keep the perseverance up over a long period of time, you know, definitely shows a certain level of commitment and um, just stoke for the practice. Um, something that I wanted to um, get the listeners to appreciate or, or know about you is your passion and love for chanting and for the study of the Sanskrit language and um, something that really, I remember one time when you were here and you had come into the room and just started moving through some some chants and some people were showing up to come in and and the aura that it was creating was profound and the people coming in were kind of like peering in going oh my gosh and i said you can go in there you know you walk, walk in he, he he wants you to kind of come in and and take part and and my my friend said <laughs> This place is never going to be the same. It's going to the vibration is going to be like so much more like elevated now because of this. And I said, I know he, he's got some skills, right? We're so excited to have him here, you know. And um, you know, that's something I wanted to ask you about. How how did you you got a chance to mention how you fell in love with the the practice? Where do you feel there was a, a transition into your appreciation and love for Sanskrit? And and how did you kind of get into that? Yeah. Uh let me let me start with with uh, some kind of experiences that I've had. Like when I've been since I've been in San Diego, uh, I moved to San Diego in 2010 to teach at the Joyce Shala yeah. when it first opened down there, Joyce uh-huh. Encinitas. And there's pretty big Indian community down there in San Diego, and and there's a there's a priest who I I met. Um, I I found him online actually before I moved there, and he's part of the same tradition that Patabi Joyce and Sharat belong to and my other Sanskrit teachers from India. So I wanted to meet him. Anyways, I got a lot of really blessed opportunities to be around his community chanting. And sometimes I'd be up to like 30 uh, Brahmins chanting the Vedas uh-huh. right in the room. And, and it's like to sit in that, in a room, like with so many people chanting and, all 100% in sync. It's not like a uh, musical performance where it has to be perfect because they're on stage and mm. blah, blah, blah. There's, you know, critics. It's just a, it's a spontaneous kind of living uh, practice. It, and I would close my eyes, you know, the first several times I was experiencing this and, and just listen and feel. And it would literally transport me i'd feel like i was in the jungles like in the tropical jungles like in india wow like and then you open your eyes and they're all you know modern they're all like it guys <sighs> brahmin it guys that had come from india and they're just chanting they're not even sitting like yogis most of them few of them are but most of them are just kind of slumped over sitting there chanting 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 now but you close your eyes and the sound the Sanskrit, the Vedic sounds, which are so old, passed down from person to person to person to person in an unbroken chain. Like, I really felt like that connection, that wow. unbroken connection, really had some energy, some validity to it. Yeah. That it could transport port you if you let your imagination be open to, to the energy that you feel. It's just amazing. That's awesome. So... Yeah, before that, like, how did I get started? Um, like, my first probably, like, 10 years of yoga, really, I didn't, I was just mostly focused on the asana practice. Like, I had my own spiritual 
upbringing like from my from my family yeah. that I was following and uh, I studied a little bit like from light on yoga about the eight limbs and read a little bit of Bhagavad Gita a little bit of the yoga sutras but not too much and never didn't take wasn't like super interested into it but uh, after I went to India actually I think before I went to India I started studying the yoga sutras a little bit more like once I was around like having 10 years of yoga practice I started to dig a little bit more into the philosophy yeah uh, but then getting exposed to the chanting and it took a few years before I, I really started to kind of embrace it fully mm. and and actually to the point where I'd say like around like 12 15 years of practice now that I've been studying the the Hindu or the yoga philosophy more, uh, I, I completely embrace the, the Hindu tradition. Mm-hmm. Oh, I w- that, that probably doesn't come across right. I'm like not a Hindu, but <laughs> it's just, it's so deep. Like there's so yeah. much information. There's such a wealth of philosophy and insight and knowledge in, in that tradition that I quit studying the original spiritual yeah practice that I that I learned from my family. Yes. Because I just like realized like, man, this has so much more to offer. There's so it's so deep and, and like with yoga there's it's more like a step by step process, which I felt was always kind of missing with the Christian uh upbringing that I had. Uh-huh. Not that I don't believe in Christianity or anything, but like to have a process to help you go step by step and work with your your body and your spirituality as a as a unified package. I understand. It just, yeah. I don't know if I'm explaining it very well or not. But you are, man. I think that's a. I think that's a a good way to put the feeling that comes across when when we come from our Western culture and and get a a look at the India culture and how old it is and how for how many thousands of years people have been turning every stone every which way every thought every idea is have been has been thought about for so many times that I, I agree it's it's pretty overwhelming and inspiring to first come across it stay with us we'll be right back welcome to the alchemy of natural healing i'm your host laurel dewey True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Yeah, and there's a lot of like it's scholars that just blow your mind how much they've digested. Right. So, yeah, I've been really lucky to be even just like on the surface. <laughs> yeah, man. To, to that, I, I hear you. I, Very I, inspiring, actually. Right. That's the main thing is like I was inspired, particularly by like the depth of knowledge Patavi Joyce had. And then reading about Krishna Macharya, like 
the two main people that I knew the most about in terms of scholars and yogis. Like that, that was really my inspiration. Right. That's awesome, yeah. man. That's cool. You know, uh, I, apart from your devotion to yoga, study and practice, what are, what are some of your favorite hobbies? And things that you like to do that are <laughs> that are like you know a part I of like your, to, yeah. I like to just be outside nice. in, the, in the fresh air. Yeah, I man. Love being around trees. Uh, and let's see, hobbies. <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm pretty immersed, you know. Since I, you know, I have kids to take care of and yeah, the work and stuff. I, you know, most of my time is wrapped around. My head is wrapped around the, the yoga and and uh, putting together things to teach and and whatnot. I hear but you. Yeah, I, I make sure I get outside for walks and and get breathe fresh air, get the sunshine on my face and my skin. That's a good water. That's a good yeah. point too, David. I I, I remember the. Yeah, I wish I <laughs> I surfed or or went skiing and stuff like that, but. I remember yeah. right before uh, my son was born, um, someone had said to me, you know, they're like, you know, you're going to have to give this particular hobby that you love up and, and uh, sporting adventure. And I, I was like, there's no way, man. I, I, that's impossible. I mean, I'll always be doing yeah. this. What are you talking about? And then, you know, reality is, is a, you know, you, you, then you really got to, you know, reprioritize. And, uh, <laughs> but I, I hear you, man. It's true. And, uh, you know, that's actually a, a good point to kind of segue into, you know, obviously we're living in a, a really interesting time and, you know, we're, we're going through a, a global yeah. pandemic and we're, we're kind of all on oh, yeah. lockdown right hey, now. Let me say, can I say one more thing? Oh, about, please. About the hobby thing. Please. Yeah. Like, so be, before, before my, I got involved with my children's mother. Yeah. You know, and I was a bachelor, like mostly yeah. I was like through my twenties. Yeah. And my first decade of yoga, I took walks. I was living in Santa Barbara and either up in the mountains or down in the city. And I, I walked like all the time. I would walk up to the top of the mountain. I'd walk from the top of the mountain down to the beach. Like that was my, my main hobby. And I would do that barefoot too. That was like, I was oh, so yeah. into like the whole, you know, it was part of my asana practice back then, mm. that first decade of yoga. You know, feeling the feet, you, learning to work the arches of the feet and, and barefoot through the oak leaves and through the, you know, over the rocks in the mountains. That's awesome, yeah, those, man. Those were like, that was such an epic, epic decade through uh, the 90s. I think the 90s was an epic decade for a lot of people. <laughs> particularly, you know, for me, that was my first really, you know, uh, experience into yoga and and nature, which actually nature was like the thing that I was really inspired by before I was introduced to yoga. Mm. And part of the interest I had in yoga was to help me connect with nature more. Right. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, knowing how to use your body, right? That's like, that's your piece of nature, your yeah. body. If you don't know how to use your body, then how well do you know nature? I mean, your first touch of nature is yourself Good so point. I, I got into yoga I mean that was one of the things I thought in the back of my mind when I was saying earlier that yoga would be good for me it was actually like it'd be good for my <clears throat> my passion 
of spending time out in the woods, which is what I did back then. And right. I, I continued to do it for that first 10 years of yoga until I met Andrea and, and then we ended up having kids. That's awesome, man. And how old are you? The rest is history. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We got to have a chuckle. They're nine. Yeah, I have two two daughters, uh, nine and and 12. Oh, man, that's awesome. And they're avid gymnasts. At least they were until the stay home thing came. Man. They have to train in their living room. Yeah. That's cool. I know. I saw. I remember. I saw some uh, pictures that you you sent of your daughter doing some some pretty killer backbends and gymnastics moves, and it, it's it's awesome to see the parents and the children like a generational element where you know to to have that continue on. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. You know, I'd, I'd like to say they got some of their talent from me, but I think <laughs> she got most of it from their mom. <laughs> well, I, so she was a gymnast when she was a child also. Well, you're being so. pretty humble because um, I first got a chance to meet you in 2004 and um, Tamara and I is our first trip to India and we were in Mysore uh-huh. practicing and I, you were, you were next to me and, um, and I hadn't, uh-huh. I hadn't yeah. met you yet. And I remember looking over and you were you were backbending, and I was just getting whiplash, turning my head to be like because you were so <laughs> deep in it, and I'd never seen anybody do anything that's like that. That's what happened to me. My first trip <laughs> to India, there's like out of out of like sixty or seventy people, there were eight <laughs> guys that were catching above their thighs. It's like over ten percent of the guys were catching above the knees in their back bend. Oh my and gosh. Like, I was like, I'd never even seen anybody grab their ankles before right. in, in person. You know, I'd seen yeah. a few, a couple of pictures of it, but right. Yeah. And then like to have over 10% of the guys catching above the knee, I was like, Oh my God, I better get on it. <laughs> better get on. <laughs> What's wrong with me? Like, wow, wow, what the heck? Yeah. So on that note, I mean, um, I, can you give a little bit of insects? I remember I'd had a chance to ask you this before, um, but was it easy for you on your first backbend and or what type of energy and focus did you need to put into it to be able to go that deep? Uh, no, backbends were difficult for me. Oh. And, and I went through a lot of, a lot of pain, low back pain where, for about three years, I had like difficulty walking and running and stuff a lot of the time because uh, my back was just like going through this transformation. And and honestly, like in the beginning, it was a little bit scary. I didn't know what was going on, mm. uh, but I practiced through it. Actually, I was careful, but I was also like ambitious and and uh, worked hard. Uh-huh. And yeah, I think. Uh, a couple years into it, I was in India again. It started at towards the middle of my first trip, back ninety nine two thousand. Uh, but it was just kind of like showing signs. It wasn't, you know, too bad. But then it started to get worse. And my second trip in two thousand two, like I had this one day, like after getting adjusted by Sherat so many days in a row and back then he was like pretty, he was giving me pretty strong back adjustments, taking me 
in my ankles and up my shins a little bit. And, yeah. And, uh, so then Friday came and, and I was like, it took me like an hour and a half to get through just from Surrey Namaskar to Backbend. Uh. Guruji's like, David, why so slow? Uh-huh. <laughs> back pain, Guruji. So when I, by the time I got to Backbend, he told me, David, backbending don't want, you go upstairs. So I went up and I skipped backbends that day. And when I was leaving, he told me to take three days off. Uh-huh. I said goodbye to him. He's like, you take three days off. Yeah. I'm like, some awesome as I can do, Guruji. So no, 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 no. So, and uh, anyways, after that, I, I took the three days off that he told me to. After that, it slowly, gradually started to get better. But it, but it's still like another year after that, improving. But uh, wow. But I would work like inter- intermittently, like if it would start to get too intense, then I'd back off a little bit. And yeah. Then when the inflammation would calm down, yeah. And yeah, I'm really happy actually. You know that I was able to work through that, and that Patabi Joyce was able to see that I worked out to the other end because. Back like in that first trip, the first couple of trips, like especially the first trip, yeah. if I tried to, if Patabi Joyce was the one helping me in the back then, he wouldn't give me enough time. He wouldn't give me the opportunity to work. I would wanted I wanted to try to walk in and catch my ankles. Yeah, and he would always pull me up. Uh-huh. And if I start working too hard, he would pull me up. Uh-huh. And then, but Shira was the opposite. Shira would just like <laughs> grab my hand on my way on the way back, and he'd pull it straight to my ankle. <laughs> uh, but but obviously, Pudavi Joyce had it. He could see that I had something to work through in my back. Yeah, because uh, he would he wouldn't let me push my back bend. Uh, so yeah, when he saw that I'd come out the other side of it, he had to really big smile the last few times I saw him in 2004 and 2006, especially 2006. By that time I was able to catch my ankles by myself without help. And he was super happy to see, yeah. Oh, here's the little kid. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, he, he made it. The kid who I was like protecting from hurting himself. Right. He, right. He managed to work through it. Yeah. So That's... that made me really happy. I was very satisfying kind of last, last time practicing with him that's cool yeah, man yeah that's awesome david that's that's i mean um that's some perseverance because it's intimidating when there's strong pain in the body to have the courage yeah. to show up but then also to know how to back off and to have a little bit of instruction to be encouraged to back off like that do you find as a teacher now that having gone through that you are able to carry that level of empathy with your students you know when you see that they're struggling like that or oh definitely yeah and I you know the the hardest thing for people is to accept that something might take a long time yeah. like that like it took right. me three years right. uh, to, for something to heal or to tra- have the transformation that it needs to go through yeah that's uh people people you know 10 days is too long for right <laughs> four months especially you know if they tear a tendon you know it's going to be four months you know for that thing to to heal up and uh these things are are very difficult but that's part of what tames the mind you know to develop through experience uh, the patience to endure these these cycles of healing that the body requires to to do its thing 
Good point. Good point. But yeah, but I, I'm very reassuring, you know, to people, you know, if you persevere, if you have the character yeah, uh, to be patient and stick with your practice, it's going to happen. I guarantee it. Right. So that's cool, man. It's good to hear that story. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. You've, you've mentioned before that the second chapter of the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali mm. is the, quote, nuts and bolts of the yoga practice. Can, can you explain what you mean by that? Uh, yeah, there's two, two things about on practice. There's Kriya Yoga, which is from the, the beginning of the second chapter, the first verse, actually, first sutra, Kriya Yoga. And then there's the Ashtanga Yoga, so the eight limbs are in there. I mean, definitely Asana and Pranayama, that's nuts and bolts of, uh, of yoga. Right. Right. I mean, the whole of yoga is a lot more psychology mm. and learning to understand the mechanisms of self-created suffering. Uh, but the nuts and bolts is the Asana practice and the Pranayama practice, for sure. And the... And, uh, the Kriya Yoga is more like the self-analysis to observe and understand the mechanisms of the suffering, where the suffering comes from. Huh. So, yeah, those are the nuts and bolts. That and makes sense. What Patanjali lays out that these these tools, these things that we need to do to observe ourselves with more clarity, more clarity, more clarity to see what we're doing to ourselves. You know, like in the Bhagavad Gita, there's a verse that says, only by the Atman can you lift the Atman up. You know, through the self, you can uh-huh. uh, elevate your, the self. Like, only you can lift yourself up. Nobody else can lift you up for you. Good point. So you have to have that that process of analyzing yourself has to be part of the yoga practice. So that's laid out in the first and second chapter. So in the first chapter, it's laid out a little bit you know you have to if your mind is not balanced then there's going to be problems if you proceed with an imbalanced mind so make take care to make sure your mind is balanced properly but the second chapter starts getting into how analyzing the mechanisms that cause the mind to go out of balance and then giving you the tool asana and pranayama which you know grounds that process that psychoanalysis gives it a ground in the physical reality of your body. Is there a sutra out of the, I know I'm kind of just throwing this at you here, but I have good faith that you'll be able to to answer this. Um, And uh, I'll do my best. All right. Thank you. Um, What is a sutra that, maybe you've been thinking of a lot lately or something that speaks to you lately. And, and if you have, if you know that one, would you be able to chant it for us here and explain it? Uh, well, we just went over uh, what we call Pratipaksha Bhavana last night or last uh, Monday and or what, yesterday was Monday. So last Wednesday and Monday uh, Pratipaksha Bhavana means like, uh, Learning how to to change your perspective. Hmm. Right? So instead of having the perspective that justifies being angry at somebody, the perspective that justifies being afraid of something, uh, you, you work with the your mental frame, your frame of mind, and learn 
other ways of of framing your mind to develop new perspectives. Nice. Healthier perspectives. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh ask potentially lays out the eight limbs in I think it's Sutra two twenty nine. And then after he mentions the niyamas, niyamas are yamas are things you want to avoid because they cause problems, behavioral things like being mean to people, stealing, uh, not being truthful. These things cause suffering and obstacles in your life. So yamas are things you you avoid, and niyamas are things you cultivate because mm. they're uplifting. So after after the niyamas are mentioned, and he talks about pratipaksha bhavana, he talks about the pratipaksha bhavanam. Uh, if you're having uh, thoughts that hold you down, prevent you from feeling uplifted and making progress and moving in the right direction in life, then you need to reframe your thinking. Pratipaksha bhavana. Hitarka bhavana. Pratipaksha bhavanam. That's that, a very short. That's <laughs> awesome. That's, that's perfect. Though. That makes me think, um, yeah. you know, right now too, like we're obviously doing the best we can with our shelter in place situation. Yeah. Right. And, right. and, um, obviously all of us are going through moments where we're just really wondering and questioning and just, you know, you know, maybe having a difficult time, but that's perfect that you brought that up because, um, are, is there anything that you have noticed that's felt positive from all this? Have you, has, has anything come to you that you feel like, you know, maybe this could be a positive thing somehow, obviously not people suffering. Um, that's, you know, so right. I know people right. are going not through a really difficult suffering. time and I know, but without suffering, we don't, we don't re-examine what's going on. If there wasn't right. suffering, we wouldn't pursue enlightenment yeah. or self, you know, getting to know ourselves better, understanding ourselves better. Good point. You know, only because there's things not working and causing pain. Right. Right. Like the alcoholic, you know, only because his life is falling apart and it's becoming unbearably painful does he finally come to the point where he'll admit and to himself, not just to others, but admit to himself that there's a problem. Right. Which is uh, drinking, right? Right. Uh, so same thing for us, you know. And yeah, where where you draw the line between you know thinking you're you're not crazy and actually realizing that you are crazy? <laughs> you know, how crazy do you need to be before <laughs> before you admit that there's there's some craziness going on inside your head? Yeah, right. Do you have to be like schizophrenic on the street? You know, talking to the uh. ghost, or or yeah, can you see the subtlety of our our craziness on you know that? that's on a functional everyday level. Right. So, yeah, I think, you know, we, we have to have consequences to our actions in order to get us to analyze our, our actions. And it's up to us if what we're going to create out of this, what direction we're going to go into uh, this virtual reality is going to become... <laughs> more and more prominent in yeah. our in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, not 
I mean, to me, in a way, you know, I could get sad about that because I like the natural world. Yeah. You know, bring back the dial, the dial phone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, right. But, you know, things don't go backwards, right? You, and That's right. And the thing is to be present and not to focus on what you like and don't like, but just to focus on the way things are and, and what are you going to do with the way things are? How are you going to adapt to it? Uh, how much can you accept it and just uh, look around and see what needs to be done, what you can do, what role you can play that's going to be healthy. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of changes. Yeah. I think I, a lot of what we're seeing actually is going to be the new normal. We're already seeing the new normal develop rather than, you know, going back to the way things were. I know I've been, I keep, I keep thinking that myself too, where I, I, I found myself verbalize, verbally saying to people, um, you know, once this things start to get back to normal and I guess I'm starting to reframe that a bit and think well, as things progress and move forward, you know, cause you know, thinking about trying to get back there somehow, um, yeah, who I, knows, I right? Think, you know, maybe another way to, another way to say that is like, once we start to, you know, accept or once it starts to begin to feel normal, you know, yeah, right now we're kind yeah. of in the shock because yeah. of the, the, how quickly the changes come upon us. Yeah. So there's definitely a shock factor for everybody, at least, right. you know, for me, yeah. I'm totally in shock about how quickly everything has become completely different. Yeah. But, uh, you know, once, once we normalize into that, the new, the new functionality of things. Yeah. Yeah. And and it'll keep changing. I'm sure. Not we don't know how much it's going to change and what ways it's going to change. But that's right. Well, the main thing I think is that we got to stay together here and and supportive of each other and stay in communication and and, and in contact. And that's why I'm really appreciative, David, for you taking the time today to 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 hang out with us and to talk with us and share some stories and. Um, I really hope all of our listeners will check out your your website and um, Ashtanga Yoga Orange County and uh, take advantage of some of your classes and chanting and sutra studies and yoga practice. And you're an amazing teacher, and, and I'm really thankful to have you as a friend. And I appreciate you taking some time for us today. I have... I have one more question here, and I hope I don't stump you too hard with this one, but <laughs> it should be easy <laughs> enough. Um, okay, okay. All right. <laughs> you know, John John Lennon sang in his song, and imagine, imagine no possessions. Oh, uh, yeah. I wonder if you can, no need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of man. Uh, if you could write a line for that song, where would your imagination take you? Uh <laughs> yeah something along the lines of uh having compassion for all all forms of life yeah man yeah awesome that that'll be the that's best perfect thing to guide us that's perfect yeah into the into the future yeah, I, think- I like what you just said a minute ago actually about the communication like and that's one thing like huge positive side of the technology even though you know there's a thing of like being a little bit maybe more separated from nature yeah. uh, but the technology like especially now while we're like separated that we have these tools that keep us connected like really pretty profound 
super grateful. I agree, David. I, I hope we, yeah. I agree, Hopefully man. It really, yeah, we keep our ourselves together. Otherwise, you know, the powers that be, we don't want that corruption from the people in power to come in and have, take advantage of our lack of unity. You know, that's it. Technology to, to unify, yeah. That's it, man. We'll have a democratic process. I hear you. I hear you. I think uh, we're going to have to shape the future here. And, and, um, but I also look forward to, um, you know, I, I'm keeping in the back of my head the next time I see you and or friends and family just um, being courageous enough to just actually give them a big hug. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's something that we definitely have to, we're going to have. Yeah. There'll be yeah. some, there'll be some therapy there, but we're, we're going to, you know. yeah. Awesome, David. Well, yeah. man, thank you so cool, much. My thank friend. you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah. all right, let's stay super, in touch. Super good to connect with you. Same, okay. same, definitely. bro. All right, man. Have a great day. Yeah, and lots of love to all, all the listeners out there. Yes. And good yes. Luck with everything. Yeah. God bless. Yes, man. Thanks so much, David. We'll we'll talk again soon. Okay. All right. Take bye care, bye. man. Have a good one. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Native Yoga Toddcast. We really appreciate it. And we hope you enjoyed. Remember that if you'd like to learn more about upcoming classes, workshops, teacher trainings, and our online yoga studio, all of which you can access at nativeyogacenter.com. Your support is greatly appreciated. Have a wonderful day.